0: Welcome, Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights. I want to thank my sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's uh, an episode for your
1: listening enjoyment. You can still be a trailblazing entrepreneur while getting directional advice from people who have been down a similar path. How's that
0: applied to your pursuit of the hobby? Because it seems like you've been aggressive- innovative in the way you've
1: attacked the hobby and built a fabulous collection thank you very much for that i don't want to say i'm contrarian by nature because i like pop music i like pop culture so i'm not opposed to being part of the crowd when it comes to like where i'm putting my money i'm always hesitant to put my money where everyone else is putting their money whether that be gambling or investing or crypto so when i think about the hobby and building my collection it really comes down to what resonates with me. And if something actually resonates with me and makes me feel like it's cool or special, I'm not going to double down. I'm going to quintuple down.
0: And that's even if your peers or your friends
1: are going the other direction? My fantasy football friends group, I remember showing them thousands of my Luka Doncic cards. And they're like, you are nuts. You are actually insane. Like April 2019. Okay. So Luka is about to be named Rookie of the Year. And the market for Luka had actually come down a little bit because all the cards had finally come out of grading. So there's this glut of Luka on the market, and I actually tripled down. So my plan was to sell a lot of my Lukas once they got graded, but I saw the BGS 9.5 market was about 40 bucks, And I was like, I'm not selling at that price. I'll be buying at that price. So even though I'd already had this massive stash of raw Luka, I'm getting back all my graded Luka, and I don't like this market. I'm going to buy into the market. And I just remember I had two blue 9.5s that I paid $500 for. And I think at the peak, those were selling for like $30,000 a piece. Okay.
0: You had a different experience with Giannis. Yes. And so how did that affect you? Because you had a
1: completely different approach. Was that a painful learning experience that you parlayed with... Luke. Basically, it's great to have a 10x investment unless... that's
0: five years later.
1: Exactly. I got back into the hobby as an active collector and buyer in 2013 as a result of going to the National by happen chance. My girlfriend at the time wanted to go to Wallapalooza and the National was happening. So I was like, well, I'll go to the National during the day and we can do Lollapalooza in the evening. And also at the time, I was doing some business with a couple guys in the memorabilia space. So one of my buddies had started up a company where they would go on Groupon and sell tickets packaged with memorabilia so my company was providing the tickets and he was networking with some of the memorabilia guys So he said why don't you come to some of these meetings with me so that's how that all came about okay. and i had a couple hours in the showroom floor and it was just the endorphins the high it was unlike anything i've ever experienced when i got back to houston i was like our company has a partnership with the milwaukee bucks and we're heavily invested in their ticket business this guy, Yana, what if I start buying up some of his cards? And so I bought one or two of seven different varietals and they all doubled and I sold half of them. And then they went up 4X and I sold out of all of them. So I was like, this is preposterous. I turned $2,000 into $15,000 in less than a year from an investment standpoint. That's insanity but then I just saw them keep going up and up and up. And I promised myself the next time I have a feeling like that, I'm not going to hold back. And that just happened to happen with Luca in 2018 19. I know, but you, you mentioned Jabari Parker. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, you could have
1: done the same thing with Jabari instead of Giannis. And Jabari was too expensive. Who was more touted. Right, yes. Coming in. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Jabari's cards were just too high to buy in at. I looked at my old eBay feed via my email Buying the red, white and blue prism Giannis raw for 15 bucks and the comparable Jabari was like 50 bucks. And I was like, I don't have a crystal ball about these players. And the smart thing would have been to buy both of them or something, but I was like, I just, I don't know. I didn't have enough money at the time, quite frankly, to get too crazy. I got lucky. I won't say everybody doesn't have enough money,
0: but most people have some limitation. A very small percentage of people have no limitations. Whether that limitation is a hundred thousand dollars or a hundred dollars you're trying to figure out what's the best way to spend that and not just to make money but to have fun to have the pride of ownership and all that stuff and picking the player the sport years now there came a time when you cashed in a lot of your lucas for vintage stuff yes and so was your timing perfect on that
1: seemingly i got really lucky so looking at the lucas silver as a foundation of my luca collection at one point i had 25 of them and my cost basis was below five hundred for all of them. None of them I was in for more than five hundred. I just sold them off in tranches between fifteen hundred and I think I sold a couple at nine thousand oh dollars. So I got really lucky. I sold a couple of my Luca blues. One of my Luca blues that I bought for 500, I sold for 22,000. I had always dreamed of having an iconic collection of the cards that we all dreamed about as kids. I was, I was like, that'll happen when I have some big liquid, liquidity event with my company or something else. I was like, I just had a liquidity event. That's insane. I just, so it's a good payday for anybody. I remember, I think one of the first kind of big iconic cards from that integer it was a 52 mantle PSA 2 for 20 grand yeah. probably two and a half years ago yeah. so my first wave of Lucas sales went into that and then I steadily added a 1914 Ty Cobb cracker jack that I paid 15 for and I recently got out of for 55 so I just happened to be like a year ahead of where the market was some luck some instinct I was like there's all this hype around Active players, eventually people are going to compare the active players to the past players. They're going to look at their stats and then they're going to look at the pop reports and they're going to go, oh boy, there's some opportunity. A lot of people are doing that now. I think things that have stood the test
0: of time are the blue chips of our industry. Even though Luca may wind up being an enduring superstar, which he's certainly on that pace, the business lessons that you learn now being a successful entrepreneur with a founder mindset. How the hobby was helpful in giving you life
1: lessons or business lessons? I think very foundationally understanding money at a young age. And I remember going through a Beckett Price guide. Young as 12? You're talking about or what? My first ever foray in entrepreneurship was selling baseball cards on the side of the road when I was seven years old. A lot of kids do lemonade stands. I did baseball cards, And it was very unsuccessful because the road I lived on was way too busy. But someone that my grandmother told me must have been a drug dealer because it was a black Corvette and they rolled down the window and he said, I like what you're doing, kid, and handed me a $20. And I was like, do you not want any cards? And he just laughed. And I told my grandmother, I was like, I just got $20. So, oh my goodness. Anyway, I learned quickly that if you want to sell baseball cards, you got to be where there's buyers for baseball cards. which happen to be card shows. And to get ready for a successful card show, you've got to know the value of your inventory and Thankfully, the Beckett Price Guide every month would help me get organized around, hey, what are the trends and what directionally is happening with the players? And I learned at a young age, I got burned by that prospecting era of the Sam Horns, the Kevin Moss, Greg Jeffries. Having seen those lessons firsthand is what happened with my Luca into vintage 35 years later. Because you had that muscle memory. Had that muscle memory. of Even a, though
0: Luca's not going down that right. path, there's still a the limit to how valuable and how it can keep going up. And but frankly, it didn't keep going up, correct. even in spite of his outstanding performance on the court and the team's performance last year.
1: Absolutely. Greg Jeffries, his cards in 1988 were selling for more than Tony Gwens. Okay. Just doing those types of basic comparisons, quite frankly, from a value perspective, that's helped me in like buying homes, that's helped me in buying stocks, that's helped me in making bets.
0: So that's your broader definition of what a comp is?
1: Yes. A comp for most
0: people is what did this card sell for last? That's a very narrow definition of a comp. It's what did this house sell for last? But if you don't know the circumstances or whether it's
1: been fixed up or there's other extenuating circumstances. Absolutely, it's quite frankly one of the reasons I'm more comfortable with cards and memorabilia than I'm in the stock market. Because the data from the stock market is that the retail investors don't do well in the long haul trying to pick individual stocks. Now, I've got money in funds and I've got money in my 401k and stuff. In terms of an investment standpoint, I know I'm better at picking memorabilia than I am individual company stocks. So that's a comp okay. for me. Okay. People say baseball cards and memorabilia, they're not like stocks
0: because <laughs> they don't have income and
1: earnings. At- and I'm like- a big proponent of that. But I will say for me personally, in terms of where my wealth is... I feel more comfortable buying memorabilia, but I'm trying to tell people that cards fundamentally for me are a hobby and I enjoy the fact that they maintain value. I'm not buying them as an investment. I'm buying them as a store of value,
0: which is, which different. is different, but it's still there's a financial aspect. Yes. What the stock market and the baseball card market or any alternative investments the value is still based on perception. Every price-earnings ratio is not the same. It's the perception, is this a good deal for this company? Even though this is what they made last quarter, here's what they're expected to make this quarter. But still, the best investors look at the story behind the story of where the puck is going. In cards, Even though you've got earnings, the future is uncertain for companies as well as for
1: cards. Absolutely. If I think about the 1955 Kofax, What we've seen over the last 10, 15 years is it takes two steps forward and then one step back and two steps forward and one step back. And a lot of cards move in that trajectory. Now, look, the last three years, we've seen stuff take five steps forward, six steps back, then four forward. It's been a lot more volatile. What I look at is items where I'm so confident and I'm like, I'm not going to take a loss on this item unless I have to. Meaning I'm so confident in the blue blood nature of this particular oh, item. Oh, in the
0: overarching upward trend that will heal yeah, any temporary Yeah. That limit. over the next
1: 15 years, there will be a time I can exit profitably. Now look, if I'm over leveraged and I'm forced to sell at a point... And by the way, we're seeing a lot of collectors selling because they're completely over leveraged. Unless I have to sell it, I know I'm going to get appreciation out of that 33 Gaudi Ruth. Maybe not at the prices now, but at the price two years ago when I bought my first 33 Gaudi Ruth, I knew I was never going to take a loss on that card unless I had to. If the Gaudi Ruth is underwater for you, according to what you paid, but
0: then there's a Gehrig opportunity that's a really good deal, would you see that as a trade? My point is... In your calculus, you're figuring, would I rather have this or that? Yeah. But you're not thinking, or would I rather have the money? I never want the money. it's in the category you want to be not invested, but you want to have some sense of a collection that you have that you're proud of. And once that goes
1: in there, again, you're not seeing it as a short-term investment in any manner. Oh, correct. I will have game-used jerseys. I will have slab tickets, and I'll have slab cards that I will die with, and my estate will deal with them. I will never not have something to look at or flip through. It means Is too that much your hundred?
0: Is that your hundred?
1: So the hundred is very foundational. What helped me with the hundred is just get very focused and say, look, if I have to upgrade something in the hundred, you'll bump something. Bump something. Or like the Hannes Wagner needs to get in the hundred and the LeBron Exquisite needs to get into the hundred. If I have to make a play to get those two, get one of them, it's gonna come from outside the cards in the case. So and you needed a home run in your business. It's just a matter of liquidity at this point. Okay, and happy for you. That's I, cool. I will own a Honus and I will own a LeBron. And now it might mean that everything else is gone. That like a bunch of my game-used jerseys are gone. Yeah. There's one game-used jersey that'll stay with me and there's one ticket that'll stay with me. And then those hundred. But then everything else might be gone to finance getting that LeBron and finance getting that Honus Wagner.
0: Okay.
1: But even though I'll probably have the cash at some point, I bet the Honus comes into my hands via me getting rid of other stuff that's gone up. But it's not going to be stuff that's in the 100-card case. Yes, okay. Which card comes out of my top 100 to justify putting the harness in? I've got some modern stuff that can it, justify the sounds harness. like
0: you're an entrepreneur. I was an entrepreneur. And many entrepreneurs are driven strictly by money. They want to get rich, okay? I think that's not the best motivation because you get blinders on sometimes. But to really want to do something that's helpful, that's going to have a good payday, if you have that payday, then it's going to enable your ability to do some of these other things. So it's oh, right. not getting wealthy per se as much as being able to
1: have something iconic that's very meaningful to you. There was some friction early on in this most recent boom period from a handful of influencers and one who I've become friends with but was not friends with in the beginning was Jeff Wilson. Okay. And Jeff and I have a great understanding now and his content has gotten phenomenal. And I love what he and his company are doing today. But when they first started, I still have a problem with their tagline of, Profit off the hobby we know and love. I don't like that. Okay. Because early on in the days of sports Card investor, he would talk about, Hey, the 1990 Emmett score supplemental has gone up XYZ. So I think the 1990 FLIR update is going to follow a similar trend. There were two issues. One, he didn't mention the pro set. And then what would happen is these people would just buy up the 1990 FLIR update. It would run from 150 to 650. And then two months later, it was back to 200. I don't think he fully appreciated that. I think
0: he didn't fully appreciate it, but he does now. He does now. He does now. He's a smart guy. I don't know that that was a mistake. but He didn't realize uh, his influence.
1: A lot of times,
0: really smart people don't make mistakes as much as they're making a decision based on... Not all the information. Perfectly so well said. So as he got more information, he realized you know he does have some influence over the market in a short-term way. Yeah. You can't prop something up indefinitely. You can influence it
1: to go up, but it's going to find its level yes. sooner or later. And sometimes it's later. Yes. And so the 1990 FLIR update, Emmett, was undervalued but it wasn't undervalued by a 300% margin. Now, what I will say is I don't have the right slogan, but profit off the hobby we know and love. It's more grow your collection using what you know about the hobby. That's my mantra is I don't care about making money off the hobby. I just want to keep growing my collection using the tactics and tools that I've learned over the last 35 years. The key thing is it's been since (laughs) you were a kid.